gentlemen, may I have your attention, please? The show starts in ten, nine, eight, seven, six, five, four, three, two, one. Electricity here in Columbia. Well, it's been buzzing loudly all weekend. The passion of the crowd in Wooden Price Stadium is second to none. And the rage breaks out in Columbia. It is good! Gamecock fans, welcome home. See how it goes. Uh, but we'll be ready to go. It's time to root. Let's go, Carolina! It's gone! Touchdown! What a hit! He makes it in! Can you believe it? You're your hosts, J.C. Sherbert. Watch him celebrate now. Bill Molinax. My wife doesn't like hanging around losing. And Jamie Bradford. I'm going to tell you, you look like you joined Brett Dennis. All right, greetings and good morning and welcome aboard and welcome home. Inside the Gamecocks, the show live from the Sinorama Studios and built by the Barndo Co., the barndominiumco.com, where you can build your dream home for as low as $160 per square foot if you live in the Carolinas, in Georgia, or in Tennessee. Sinorama, of course, is the preferred sign partner of Gamecock athletics jb jc and phil here we're going to be here for an hour today until 12 o'clock and then we'll give you the afternoon off the rest of you i know that you'll probably miss us a little bit because you probably missed us from yesterday but uh some sickness running through the molinax family and family comes first so we had to uh step aside for for an afternoon and allow phil to get things right and he did and that's why we're back uh, today, Brad Crawford is coming up here at uh, about eleven thirty or so. We'll mix in some football with him, but of course, guys, uh, we we know that South Carolina and LSU are on as we are watching them. The Gamecocks currently down two to nothing in the top of the third with Will Tippett stepping to the plate. A home run just left the yard for the Tigers, and uh, and that is all the scoring. So far, Carolina's offense looking to pick up where they left off yesterday. Thus far, having. Uh, some a little bit of trouble with Thatcher Hurd uh, through a couple of innings, but uh, hoping to get something going here. Tippett had the big hit yesterday to put it away, of course, a three-run triple late in that ball game. But uh, J.C. and Phil, Carolina off the schneid in Hoover uh, with their win, their first win there since 2018, and just one win shy now of 40 on the season. Yes, sir. Yep, need this one today. Hopefully we can respond that was one thing we were good at earlier in the season somebody would score some runs we'd be right back in it so let's see if that holds true today old slugger tip it though man that triple was that was awesome yesterday i had the biggest smile on my face i was like look at that old slugger go <laughs> he's really coming around that also shows you that you know sometimes fans are a little too difficult on freshmen i mean i remember reading some comments on the big spur when he kind of got in the lineup that he wasn't even a Southern Conference hitter and some crap like that. And, you know, that kid's going to be really good. So uh, sometimes it's just not all about the numbers. And people need to chill out and let athletes develop, just like in every sport. Just because you're not good one year doesn't mean you can't be good the next. And no matter how much there's irrefutable proof of that in sports, it seems to like college fan bases in particular get, you know, more and more and more impatient as the years roll on. And, to me, that's just a, a whole different level of ignorance. <laughs> uh, I mean, I just I can't even understand that, uh, you know, when you're faced with something that, that is provable, you know, maybe you should believe it, uh, especially when it's not an opinion. Uh, you know, it's not just somebody's opinion. Uh, but anyway, uh, yeah, Gamecocks, that's unfortunate. They gave up that home run uh, after a two-out walk and on a uh, one-two count. So, yeah. Eli Jones is, is not pitching bad today. LSU's really good at hitting the ball. Uh, they got a big crowd there, it sounds like, or a loud crowd. A lot of purple and gold in the stands today. It's almost like a, a road game. But, uh, 
you know, we'll see what happens. It's early, and hopefully the Gamecocks can get something going. Uh, get this win. I think they're right back in the thick of the hosting conversation with that win yesterday. Uh, Alabama winning. I mean, there's different different opinions on, on the Kentucky game, Kentucky situation. Like, oh, is Kentucky already a host? I didn't necessarily think they were. Uh, Alabama's probably of the four teams that were in the mix to host the two spots, probably the weakest resume uh, out there. You know, Tennessee, I think their hosting uh, chances just kind of went bye-bye uh, with the loss to A&M. But uh, Alabama and Carolina were the two winners in the who's going to host sweepstakes yesterday. So we'll see what happens. Yeah, so, you know, uh, a couple of outs here uh, with a, uh, a strikeout of Dylan Brewer, who's just really, really been struggling um, in the top of the third. You know, as far as hosting goes, I, I look, it's everybody, everybody is having this conversation in the wrong context. And, th- and that's the that's the problem with this right now. Um, they're having the context, the conversation in the context of history. And and that because the SEC has never gotten seven or never gotten eight or, or no conference, we should say, has ever gotten that many host sites or whatever it is. But if you have it in the context of who are the best 16 teams, you use the eye test, you use the record, you use all the metrics under consideration, uh, then you're having a different conversation and you're having the conversation that you need to have. So what if one league gets seven or eight or nine or 11 or 13 or whatever it is host sites? Who cares? The point of having 16 regional hosts or having the best 16 teams in the country who were rewarded with a regional host based on what they did throughout the regular season and throughout the conference tournament. It doesn't matter. I mean, it doesn't matter if it's the ACC, the SEC, the Big Ten, the Pac-12, whoever it would be. In this case, of course, it's the Southeastern Conference. But why should any team in any league be punished because the other teams in their same league are really good versus rewarding a team in another league that they didn't have to go through the gauntlet that all these guys did, okay? I I think that South Carolina deserves a host, okay? Um, I look at them against teams not just in the Southeastern Conference. Evan Stone has flown out to uh, center field to end the third inning here. Why, why is Oklahoma State a projected host right now over the Gamecocks? Those resumes aren't even comparable. Why is Boston College a projected host over the Gamecocks? Those resumes aren't comparable. Texas, a projected host over the Gamecocks. Is it all just because they've gotten hot at the right time, but they stunk for two-thirds of the season? So this conversation needs to be have under the had under the con- context of who are the best 16 teams that deserve to host based on all of the information that you'll have to be able to make that decision. Now that here's the thing. The book is still open on that because they're still playing conference tournaments. Some of these teams are just getting started in their conference tournaments. Boston college could very well run their way to an ACC championship this weekend. And then they've earned that. Right? So there's a lot that's in this conversation. It's, We've been having it, if, of course, has all been too early to really have the conversation for those that are teetering on that line. But at the same time, you know, we have to understand where we are with these tournaments being played and understand that there's still a lot that can happen between now and Sunday. So if you asked me, we, we know the top four seeds in the SEC tournament, Florida, LSU, Arkansas, Vanderbilt, they're all getting hosts. Um, Kentucky's going to get one. Uh, Auburn, I think, has earned a, a host. I think South Carolina should be a host. I think Alabama has earned one. When you go back and look at their resume, they just have better resumes than everybody else in college baseball, period, the end, regardless of what conference that they play in. So, again, a lot can still kind of unfold, but at least as it is here on Wednesday, that's the way that it seems to me. Yeah, you think, I mean, you may not be top eight for sure, and you know they're not going to want to put a whole bunch of SECs, you know, teams, well, in the top eight as many as they, you know, probably deserve to be in it. Uh, Of course, depending, like you said, on how all this plays out. But, I mean, top 16, I think, eh, after the win yesterday, I'm I'm more solid on it because I think the team came around, even if they do end up losing this one, especially if it's close. I mean, this we've seen what happened earlier in the year. This team is finally rounding back into form with that lineup, with the pitching. So uh, I don't know why you would punish them 
for, you know, having to do their best under the injury circumstances at the end of the season. Yeah. 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 It, 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 you know, it's weird when you can kind of compare the two sports, like, uh, you have, um, you have the, uh, you know, the basketball committee all of a sudden going to this net ranking thing where November counts just as much as the, as the end, which has been baffling to me. Um, I guess philosophically, I kind of like the way that, uh, that, uh, you know, you, you know, teams that finish hot get rewarded. Uh, but I also think that historically, you know, committees have looked at injuries and uh, factored those in, whether it be seating, whether it be, um, you know, uh, hosting, whatever. So, um, and JB, I'm gonna kick it to you because uh, something Cole Messina, we probably need to know. Yeah, he took a foul ball off the helmet there, and they evaluated him. They're gonna pull him out of the game, which obviously that's not good for the Gamecocks. Probably more of a precautionary thing to prevent concussion. Um, so they're gonna get Jonathan French in there to catch the rest of the ball game. And uh, and and not risk whatever it is. They'll probably just go back and evaluate them. I'm sure we'll find out more uh, by the end of the game. And yeah, that was the second one to the face today, too. So that's probably why they did it. Is there a concussion protocol or something? Uh, I know yesterday there. Or, uh, when was it? No, in the majors there was a bat. Uh, Will uh, was it Azuna for the Braves? Uh, the bat hit Will Smith. Uh, in the helmet, and uh, they got a little art, verbal altercation about it. And they were talking about concussion protocol and things like that. So, yeah, I mean, yeah, it's, it's, we'll see. There's a couple of simple tests you can do um, with, with a catcher, and um, but generally, uh, that the the first question is always the easiest one to figure it out from there. How are you feeling? And if the response is a little jumbled, you got a little bit of an issue. You got to work on it from there. So, um, who knows what the conversation necessarily was, but. Yeah, for, for Coach Kingston. And that's another thing about this, too. I mean, the the committee, and you've heard it on TV, and not just the SEC network, but if you kind of have glanced around the country at others who aren't just being paid by the SEC network, you know, they, 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 they all understand uh, what has happened with South Carolina over the last month from an injury standpoint. They understand that their top two arms are out. I mean, you can argue whether Noah Hall or Will Sanders are the top two arms or not based on performance, for sure. But those were considered the top two arms, and they are both injured. So that is a statistic that is going to be used, that is being used as all these committee members are following, especially these fringe teams right now, as to whether they should or should not host, which, you know, that's a really good thing for, for Carolina and the fact that that is being paid attention to. It's not an excuse. It's a fact. You know, they went to Lexington, and I, I know a lot of people have forgotten this, but they went to Lexington, and half of their lineup wasn't even in there, and the guys that were in there weren't even playing the positions that they generally play. You know, like, you, it, you can't win like that in this league. So, you know, what happened that weekend happened for a reason. That's that's why those things happen. So, yeah, they, they're they they're in a good place. And, and if they – who knows what will happen in this game. They're down 2 nothing here in the third. Um but if they get to 40 wins in this tournament, I, I don't see any way that they won't be a host. I really don't. I, as a matter, I mean, right now, I think they're much more in it than a lot of people are giving them credit for. Um, but if they get to 40, I don't think there's ever been an SEC team with 40 wins by the end of the conference tournament that was not hosting in the postseason. I just don't see any way that that can happen. No, yeah, I mean, it, it, physically, it's got to be. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and look, I want to say something too. Look, I, I know some people out there are not big Mark Kingston fans, uh, and I get it, and, and all that. You know, that's going to take care of itself. But I, I think it's incredibly dumb to sit here and 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 every little thing that goes wrong to magnify it and amplify it because you personally think there should be a head coaching change. Uh, that's fine. Maybe we all agree, arrive at that opinion at some point, but. You know these guys that have busted their ass all year, the players. You know, uh, and and no matter how much in in everybody's imagination they want to sit there and think, oh well, this team's lost it and they're they're not playing or they're playing soft or whatever. Uh, that's just not true. I mean, when you listen to what they say and how their body language and all that, you know, let's give it a rest, man. I mean, you know, st- stuff like that's just ridiculous. Like, 
you know, right now down to nothing. Like I'm on a group text. Kingston needs to go. I mean, look, that gets old and tiresome, and it makes you look like a loser as a fan base if you continue to act like that. I mean, that's not being a winner. That's not caring about your team. That's being a loser because you can't see the forest through the trees. You're not dealing in reality. You're taking your opinion, which may be valid, and putting that above, like, the ongoing performance of the team. And and I'm going to tell you right now, I don't care, you know, fan, no fan. If you care about winning, you don't act like that. You know, you, you care about winning and losing. You know, don't, 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 I, I don't hear this crap. Uh, and it, it's frustrating. You know, this team's fighting and calling. They're playing one of the best teams in the country today. Uh, Kingston, Kingston, Kingston. You know, Kingston can't help it. Messina just took a, 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 bat, fly, a ball off his face mask. You know, what's he doing wrong? I mean, you tell me. You tell me how he's managed the game. And he, is he intentionally losing today? Nah, it looked like he was trying to win pitching his Friday night starter on five days rest. Yeah, I mean, I I just, you know, and look, guys, I'm not above being critical, especially of Mark Kingston. Think about me last year. Uh, And and honestly, there's standards that have to be met with this program. But it's just so counterproductive that when you you sit there, you know, when there's so much left that's out there. You know, I mean, you got people in the chat box going, we're terrible now, blah, 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 blah. Nah, this is a good team on a bad streak. This team's metrics and numbers – and ERA and, and all that good stuff, uh, quality wins, quad one wins, record, position standings in the league, it all points to a top 15 team in the country, no matter what's happened. You know, so so give it a rest. I mean, a blind person could tell you that things have not been going well. But, you know, I do think you have well, to they, they've, they've also won. notice it. They've yeah. won two of their last three games. I mean, so, yeah, I mean, th- like, th- things the, are, the things that happened like a week aggression. ago, two weeks ago, and three weeks ago, I mean, pardon my French here, but cross that bullshit off your list. Like, they're in the postseason right now. So, I mean, it is what it is. You evaluate coaching changes at the end of the season, period, the end. Mike Bianco was about to get fired last year. They won the World Series. I'm not saying Sacramento is going to win the World Series. I'm saying you evaluate coaches at the end of the season. That's it. Yeah, and somebody says how you finish matters. They're not finished yet. Yeah, <laughs> that's, it, that's it's the, not it's over. Still going. Yeah. The, 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 this they, program's they, always going to be evaluated based on how far it goes in the NCAA tournament. Yeah. I, I'll remind everybody: the first national championship team did not host a super regional. They had to go to coastal <laughs> and win it. Right. Yeah. I mean, yeah. come on. Fact of the matter is, they're one and zero right now in the SEC tournament, second round against LSU. And uh, trying to win the ball game, the conversations about coaching changes, this, that, and the other. Every time they're down a run or two, or just it's going to make you pull your own hair out. And I'm glad yours because it's not mine. Uh, we'll have those conversations on this show at the end of the season. Uh, yeah, if they're, if look, they're worthy yeah, of having at that time. Yeah. And, and and if enough people feel that way and act that way, it, it just it makes it hard for anybody to win. I don't care who you have coaching the team. I mean, you can't you can't have that kind of uh, stuff going on. Yeah. Well, and, and, and like, Tay, to your point, how you finish the regular season does matter, but also how you play in the conference tournament matters as well. Last year, uh, Florida was not hosting at the end of the regular season, but they were at the end of the conference tournament. So, you know, there's a lot that can still happen in this tournament. Uh, and, and, you know, again, the Gamecocks are one game shy of 40 wins with all the metrics in their favor. Top five RPI, the second most wins in the country, quad one. Um, with 20, which is right behind Clemson. They've only got one quad three or one quad four loss on the year. I think Nick Mangione at Kentucky yesterday really summed it up perfectly for his club, but that translates to South Carolina as well. And the fact that they both have 20 quad one wins, neither one of them have quad three losses. Carolina's got one quad four loss. Uh, you've got top, you know, top, uh, um, top five RPIs for both teams. The strength of schedule is there for both teams, all those type things. And, and you've got a bunch of wins in the SEC right now. Carolina has 17 uh, total, and Kentucky has uh, has 17 total as well. So, um, you know, that's – that's that, or excuse me, 16 total uh, after last night's loss to Alabama. So uh, when you're one of the best seven or eight teams sometimes in the SEC, that makes you one of the best 16 teams in the country. 
regardless of what type of skids you've been on and when your catcher's having to play third base and you've get, got one, two of your starters out for the year with injuries, you got another guy who's out until the postseason with injuries and you play without your shortstop for the last three months and, you, and all these type things. It, it, now that these guys are all trickling back in with the exception of Hall and Jerzenbeck, you know, it still equates to a top 16 type team regardless of what results were back at the beginning of May and in the middle of May. Yeah, and somebody says something about Cam says Keystone's inability to slow down the streak. JB just pointed out they've won two out of three. You know? Yeah, I mean, I mean what, what well, do you they, want him to do? Like, like you are you not going to be happy if they went like three and ten until they go ten and three? I mean, they they probably don't have thirteen games left. I mean, to me, that's the win yesterday, getting game two against Tennessee, even though. When you get beat twelve one in the same day, I understand that mentally, as a fan, you and, and I'm the same way. I, did, I was not happy after Saturday, but uh, that is two out of three. Uh, Hope says you can lose to LSU today and play Arkansas tomorrow and lose. Um, ugh. Well, what did, what did Jack Mahoney do to Arkansas last time they, they placed each other? I mean, I, you know, those games were close out in Fayetteville. Uh, Camp says last eighteen. What are they? They don't have 18 to make it up, Cam. I mean, I, I, how, how are they going to have to play 18? They're not going to play 18 more games. So, by that logic, and, I, you know, I love you, and I got respect for you, man. You're, you're, you're the man, and I get it. I'm not trying to bust your chops here. But by that logic, they have to win the College World Series and the SEC tournament to even have that sample size. You know, um, I, I, I just, you know, I, I think – when you turn around a bad streak, you know, you can do it in three or four games. You know, that, that means, okay, we stop the bleeding. Let's go from there. So um, that that's the deal. So uh, Xavier says, how hard is it to obtain competitive depth on a baseball team? So if a shortstop goes out, it doesn't kill the next four games. They've had a lot more than one guy, man. I mean, they <laughs> their whole infield was hurt, basically. And Casas missed some times, too. Some time, too. I mean, so every infielder has been hurt at one point or the other, right? If I'm not mistaken. Well, and and you got to and there's here's here's an here's another thing too, though. Like we can make numbers look however we want to make them look. Do you want to know what South Carolina's record is in their last twenty games? Nine and eleven. Do you know what Kentucky? Do you you know what Kentucky's (laughs) record is in their last twenty games? Eight and twelve. Okay, but Kentucky's a shoe in to be a regional host, right? So we can sit here and cross-reference numbers all day long if we want to do that. And by the way, the last 20 games of the season, that is a big metric for the committee. They actually pay attention to that. And But by that, by those numbers right now, Kentucky's last – they're done. They're just waiting for Memorial Day to find out what's going to happen with them. They finished their last 20 games, 8 and 12. Well, right now, I mean, South Carolina's 9 and 11 – you know, if they come back and win this game today, they're ten and eleven. They lose it, they're nine and twelve, they win another game. So they're very comparable, but yet here we are trying to and that's one of the things that this isn't directed at anybody at all personally here. You know, we, we talked to over six thousand people a day. I'm not talking to one person. Like Oh no. I, I I'm just a little confused as to why people in this fan base have decided that they want to fight against South Carolina earning something as opposed to fighting for them why uh, so you get your wish of firing your coach is that why in lieu of the team winning or or being rewarded with their hard work in the postseason this team has done everything in their power to continue to try to keep the train on the tracks through everything they've been through and they, they're they're one win shy of 40 wins and people are trying to find reasons to just continue to kick them while they're down think that they don't know that in that locker room? I tell you right now, they do. I had a conversation with somebody who's in it. Okay? So, you know, I mean, you know, if, if that's if that's what people want to do is carry their negativity uh, just so they can get their way and, and be able to claim that they were right on a message board or a chat box or a Twitter feed or whatever it is, it's fine. But, you know, they don't need you, and they don't even know that you exist, to be quite frank. So you're just another number on Twitter to, to a lot of these guys. So, again, we can make numbers the way we want to make them. Um, but um, right now the numbers that really matter are that South Carolina is down uh, two to nothing here in the top of the fourth inning. And Thatcher Hurd is throwing well, and Eli Jones is throwing well. He's hung a couple breaking balls today, and he's going to have to 
uh, make sure he doesn't do that moving forward. But uh, Carolina looking probably for some late inning magic to try to even this thing up with LSU. And these two teams have been pretty pretty darn evenly matched through three games this far. Yeah. Thatcher Hurd looks uh, better than maybe his numbers appear. I didn't. I realize he's a UCLA transfer. Uh, had a 1.4 ERA at UCLA last year before coming in. He's got really good stuff. One thing to watch with him, though, he tends to get wild. He walks uh, walks some guys. The Gamecocks need to, you know, have a good eye, watch for that, and, and get some base runners and, and see what happens. I know we got to get to Brad. Uh, and so, uh, yeah. I mean, this yep. will be a lot more fun if the Gamecocks were winning, right? This live thing. I don't, I don't mind this live thing. But it'll be a lot, a lot <laughs> well, we might be able to do it tomorrow, too. We'll have to, yeah, have to see yeah, what happens here. You know, I mean, you lose today, you're still in it. You know, what if you lose today, win two, and then lose another one? That puts you at 41 wins. Yeah, they've got, they've got, and uh, then you would have lost, you know, in the semis. So. And they've got, they've got pitching set up, you know, with Jack yeah. ready to go. And then you got Matthew Becker after that. So, you know, we'll see how long Eli can hang in there today and try to continue to save a lot of that bullpen as well. But we are powered by Electric Bikes of Charleston, electricbikescharleston.com. I know many of you have walked through those doors in recent weeks and bought some bikes to keep you healthy and moving and having fun out there, and we certainly appreciate it. And we know that Michelle and her team do as well. They are special, special people, electricbikescharleston.com. So we'll hit a timeout. Brad Crawford will jump in when we return. We'll get into some football with him, but Brad also likes baseball, so – Get his thoughts on Carolina baseball right here on Inside the Gamecocks, the show uh, painted garnet and black by a couple of painters. Family vacations, a new car, a new boat, all cost money, but you don't necessarily have to make more to afford any of that if you can save cash that's flying out the window now. iHelp Consulting can help you finally get the kids to Disney World, upgrade the minivan, or drop that new boat in the water next summer. Let Daniel and iHelp Consulting consult with you. No fees, just savings. You pay them a percentage of those savings. Save on essential services, credit card fees, you name it. Let them find it. These folks are incredible. iHelpConsulting.com. How can I help you? Just as your State Farm agent combines good neighbor service with surprisingly great rates, you can combine your home, auto, life, or small business insurance with Tony Pope State Farm Insurance today. And guess what you'll get? That's right, even more good neighbor service with surprisingly great rates. In fact, Tony Pope State Farm is your go-to agent anywhere in South Carolina, North Carolina, or Georgia for the service you deserve at the price you want. So try combining your home, life, auto, and or small business insurance today. Tony Pope State Farm has been in business for more than 30 years and can handle anything you need in the tri-state area. Once again, Tony Pope State Farm will help you mix and match perfectly. Call 843-851-2222 or visit TonyPope.com today. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. The real estate market has changed dramatically from just a year ago. Rates, supply, demand, All of your traditional factors are in a transition phase. That's why if you or someone you know are considering making a move in the low country, contact me, JB, at Coast to Coast Realty. I work with an outstanding support cast of attorneys, lenders, inspectors, insurance agents, and more, all of whom are valuable in helping find a way for you to comfortably make your real estate decision. That's right. Call me, JB, your low country real estate broadcaster. Building your dream home is often just that, a dream and sometimes a nightmare. But at the Barndo Company, they commit to quality and build without sacrifice. Customization, open floor plans, limitless flooring options, maintenance-free and easy insulation perks, and affordability are just a few reasons why they've been named one of the best builders in the U.S. Believe in your dreams. Visit thebarndominiumco.com. That's thebarndominiumco.com. The Barndo Company. Gamecock-owned. Gamecock-operated. Traveling to cheer on the Gamecocks? Reserve your hotel stay with Fan Plans. Your booking supports inside the Gamecocks and the Big Spur, plus you still earn your hotel loyalty points. Visit fanplans.com slash inside the Gamecocks. What's up, Gamecock Nation? This is Jakar Moore from the DMV, and you are listening to the show.
Welcome back, everybody, to Inside the Gamecocks, the show. First hour of the show presented to you by Cindy Searfoss and the Coldwell Banker Kane Realty Team. Give Cindy a call at 864-414-5271 for all your upstate residential real estate needs. We're joined now on the McKellar Enterprises guest line by none other than Brad Crawford at 24-7 Sports. Brad, we appreciate you being flexible with your schedule this week, man. Had some uh, sickness pop up like 15 minutes before the show yesterday, so <laughs> had to handle that and take care of it. Yeah, I appreciate it, guys. I'm, I'm going to be honest, too. First things first. Once spring practice went full circle in April and spring game season and Gamecocks baseball began to fade, I sort of tuned out a bit. Y'all know I'm a football first guy. And being a national analyst for us at 24-7, I've spent a lot more time watching spring game reruns around the SEC than I have following regional projections and all that jazz <laughs> well at least for the next 20 or so minutes with you we can uh we can help you follow it uh as we're as we're kind of watching it here eli has just gotten himself out of the fourth inning he's uh, really settled in against lsu gamecocks down two looking for their first hit coming up here in the top of the fifth but on the note of football though brad first of all thank you for joining us bud I really do appreciate it. Um, this is that time of year that Coach Spurrier once coined talking season. And it, for you, it's list season, uh, yeah. basically until, um, until kickoff, essentially. But you, you, you've become one of the, one of the good faces of talking season because a lot of the lists that you put out, people really talk about. Do you, do you have like a, a favorite that you put, put out every year? Um, I'm going to be honest. I'm, I'm a bowl season projection guy. And there's nothing I enjoy more than projecting 42 games six months out from the season <laughs> and, and then seeing in mid-December how many I actually hit on. In the last two years, I've picked the Gamecocks bowl game right in April. I don't, I don't know how. Um, it's just how the SEC pecking order usually falls, you know. We, we sort of have an idea, you know, half a year out that the Gamecocks are going to the Gator or Orlando or Tampa or Shreveport. That's that. That's the four usually, you know, or or even even, even Charlotte. Should that change, hopefully, guys? Hopefully not, not Birmingham. Hopefully not Birmingham. Yeah, no. Yeah, like, I'm, I'm still I'm still angry over the BCS years and three straight eleven win seasons and and no love getting one of those mega bowl games. I think Arkansas knocked the Gamecocks out one of those years. Both were eleven and two, and it was it was what Ryan Mallett came to Columbia and. And won that game, and then they got the BCS bid. So, yeah, I'm, that I'm was, happy over that. That was 2011. 2011. Now came. 2012, 2011. Arkansas had John L. Smith had taken over, and Arkansas was terrible. Yeah, that's the DJ Swearinger game where he picked off uh, back to back personal fouls. Oh, yeah. He picked it off. <laughs> yeah, uh, and then and the 2013 was a BD Bielema's first year. And the Gamecocks beat them fifty-two to seven. Spurs like oh, I hate it for Arkansas to get that be that bad on homecoming. Of course, the next week they lost to Tennessee. But what happened? Twenty eleven. That was Arkansas. Twenty twelve. Guess who knocked them out of the Sugar Bowl? Yeah, one Will, William Will Larry Mustard. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> Florida had about one hundred and ninety yards of offense in that game too, and they scored yeah. forty-four points. Florida got the Sugar Bowl that year. Remember, and then, remember. And then 2013, I think, ended with a cap one bowl win over Wisconsin. Connor had mm-hmm. like five total touchdowns. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That 2013, yeah. Brad, I'll, I'll ask you this. Th- have you ever thought about this? 2013, let's say Marquez North does – let's say Ahmad Christian makes that play. Sure. Marquez North does not hit the pass. They missed the field goal. Clowney was like a half inch from Justin Worley about to knock him in the next Sunday. I was there. Gamecocks could have potentially played for a national championship that year. That that front seven, JC would have stopped Trey Mason, Auburn, Auburn's running mm-hmm. back, and that 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 was the year I think of those three seasons. All those teams were uber talented, but you had you know your senior quarterback, twenty five touchdowns, one pick. He was playing lights out in a very good NFL heavy defense. That was the year I think was the major window for you know BCS stardom. Uh, I just left the yard here, so uh, Gamecocks oh. will cut the lead in half, two to one, here in the top of the fifth inning. There you he go. needed another dinger. Yeah, yeah well, we that's, a, that's, a, that's another against LSU for him as well. He, he go, likes boy. hitting the Tigers. Well, now nah, I mean, he hadn't hit one in a while. I was kind of – well, my Dale Murphy comparison will come back. But, yeah, yeah, Brad, you think about it too. And think about the next year on the Plains with Dylan Thompson, the quarterback, 
the way Spurrier flawlessly carved up Ellis Johnson's defense. Yeah. Uh, and, and you know that he did it because every day in practice for years, he's just sitting there calling plays against Ellis's defense. He'd do them like the back of his hand. And that's just kind of how Spurrier operated. And then, of course, you had the Urban Meyer pizza loss where they lost to Michigan State. Yeah. And Carolina, would it, what a story that would have been. Steve Spurrier in South Carolina in the Rose Bowl. I would, I would have sold my car to go to that game too, by the way, against Florida State for all the marbles. I mean, 20, you know. 2014 was the year that the, the defense gave up like three, two Tom. touchdown leads, right? Yeah. A million yeah, yards, in yeah. the fourth quarter. Right. Yeah, people, uh, Missouri, Kentucky, and Tennessee. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. People talk about 84, like that was the year that they blew it, and they did. But 2013, they – Looking back, man, nobody realized how 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 costly that Tennessee was. Tennessee was five and seven that yeah. year. Yeah. Well, Brad, we appreciate you bringing up all these miserable moments for Gamecock football on the May It is Memorial Day weekend, uh, so we've brought a new meaning to that, I guess. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, no, I, I as far as as this year goes, you know, twenty twenty three. I remember. Uh, seeing a video last year after South Carolina upset Clemson, and it was Coach Beamer in the locker room before the game, and he told his team, he said, there's zero respect on your on your name. Y'all are a feel-good story right now, There's but there's zero respect on your name. Have they earned enough respect coming into this season in your mind, and, and if so, do you think that they're getting it? I think they have. from From a national standpoint, J.B., I think the Gamecocks are sort of an easy, sexy dark horse pick because of Rattler coming back, because of Juice, you know, because of some studs on defense. But I think, you know, for for all of us who know this program closely, this program the last couple of years has risen above expectations from an outside standpoint. I think it was five and a half wins with, with the projection in Beamer's first year, six last year, and now it's six and a half. So – the, the schedule, I think, this season is more difficult than his first two years. And I think as a result, if the Gamecocks finish 7-5, and five, they could perhaps be a better team than they were the last two years. But the schedule is, is, is just so brutal. Um, I do think they're worthy, though, of top 25 preseason billing. But there are some positions that, obviously, they're ultra thin at. And in the SEC, to, to win against top 20 competition, you got to have a pretty darn good two deep. North Carolina, are they going to be preseason top 25? They're going to be right on the threshold. I, I've got UNC 7-5, and five, and I, I think that season opener in Charlotte, whoever wins that game probably finishes 8-4, and four, and whoever loses is 7-5. and five. Okay. People, yeah. I, I, I did some research on North Carolina today. Nine and one start last year. They finished nine and five, four straight. Yeah, they losses. lost four straight. Yeah. yeah. Uh, now, yeah. during their – they won six straight, but wow. four of those wins were by a field goal or less. So they hung in, they hung in the balance all year last year. Yeah, a lot of a lot of UNC fans have been in my mention this week because I didn't put Drake May among my most dynamic athletes at quarterback ranking. Problem is, six hundred and fifty of his seven hundred yards rushing last season came against oh. like five FCS type opponents. Just missed um, and uh, losing losing Phil Longo, I think this year is going to be a a detrimental fact for UNC. It's going to be interesting, that Chip Lindsay offense. It's got a lot of Gus Malzahn kind of stuff with it. Um, and uh, so, goodness, what, that's uh, – Let me, let me ask you this. By the way, Gamecocks have a runner on first, Leroy single down the right field line, and Casas missed a two-run homer here. Um, let, me, let me ask you this about Rattler. Uh, this is going to sound strange, but I think you'll know where I'm coming from. I think all of you will know where I'm coming from here. Uh, obviously, if you go back just a few years, you know, a couple years, the hype around Spencer Rattler, I don't know if there was a quarterback that was more hyped than him. And, and we know what he's capable of doing as a QB. But it also seems in quote-unquote talking season, Brad, that, um, you know, he he maybe has not been as – commonly spoken about or as highly ranked or listed as maybe a lot of the Gamecock fans would at least think. Do, do you think that that would be different? And hear me out now. I know everybody was not the yes. OC last year. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> well, the, well, the, number, the numbers would be better. 
Well, right. and also, and, and let me even let, take that a step further. Let's say Satterfield was even back as the OC this year, just the way that things finished last year and not having a change, regardless of how we don't know how this change is going to work out. But if there wasn't a change and they're like, oh, well, they finally figured it out with Marcus Satterfield in the last couple of games of the season, do you think that he'd be discussed a little bit further up the line than he is now? I mean, Spencer was somewhat of a gunslinger under Lincoln Riley at, at Oklahoma, and he's completely changed his game because of the scheme at South Carolina these past two years. No no FBS team the last two seasons has thrown more passes at the line of scrimmage or behind the line of scrimmage in the Gamecocks. Oh. That's just fact. I mean, go look it up. Pro Football Focus says that. And that really, You're right. That really hampers a quarterback's development for a guy who, look, the flick of the wrist can, can throw it 60 yards from his knees. Right. So Spencer Rattler is a guy who I think is at his best when he's able to get some play calls and protection that allows him to throw the ball to the second level. I think one of his best completions, really two best completions last year were both against Clemson, the fourth and one to Juju on that, <laughs> that yeah, strange hell of a throw. play. And then that, uh, that long bomb to Juice Wells right over his shoulder. I mean, that's when Rattler's at his best, when, when he can air it out. None, none of this, you know, screen, screen ball type game. Uh, any, anybody can do that. Well, and you and know, then, uh, something you just, you mentioned that ball to Wells, guys. JC, we, we, uh, Phil, JC, we talked about this a lot last year. This is something that Flint pointed out often as the season was going along and they weren't doing it. And, and that team last year, when they could move him out and reestablish a pocket for him, he was a, yeah. he was a gold mine of a quarterback. But when they just dropped him back there and basically left him for dead, nobody knew what the hell was going on half the time, you know? Even Steve Spurrier figured out you can't do seven. Well, I I got to add one to you, though, Brett. The the throw to Leggett in the corner of the end zone against Notre Dame was ridiculous. I mean, that was insane. (laughs) From the the – like, I I was sitting in one of the – the opposite corner of the end zone, and I didn't think that ball had any chance of being caught. And – it was dropped at the back pylon, and then Xavier made a, just an outstanding catch, got got a foot in. But like you guys have said, though, I mean, Rattler is at his best when he can throw it to the second level. There, There's guys who can stretch the field within this wide receiver group this season, and I can't speak for everybody, but I don't, I don't want to see a ton of swing passes and screens anymore. I think uh, one of the encouraging things – about the spring game, one of the encouraging things I, I thought was a lot of the what they call the quick game looked a lot more like like what GA Mangus used to do yeah. when he took over for Spurrier or what Spurrier used to do. It's not behind the line of scrimmage; it's it's at least a five yard out. Yep. You know, Spurrier would literally sit there and throw five yards out, five yards outs all day if you'd let him. Oh, let's just throw that out, boom, boom, boom! But it was never I mean, behind think- the line of scrimmage. Yeah, and, and all it takes is one miss tackle from a corner, and you've got 15 yards. Well, and, and see, right. a lot of coaches I know, they used to dog Rob. Rob Rob Spence at Clemson and his experience at Clemson reminds me a lot of Satterfield of South Carolina in, in, a lot, in different ways. But, number one, that offense is way too complex. First thing Dabo did was show him the door. Second, it was bubble screen. You know, that's what Clemson was called, bubble screen. You sure it's a beautiful play design, and if your blocking sets up perfectly, you, you know you, you may get a big play out of it, especially if you've got athletes. But it was too complex, and it and it. I think playing behind the sticks leads you to to a you know a lost lost yardage bonanza. A lot of times, if things aren't clicking, um, you talked about Rattler, and and here's the thing I think about Rattler, and see if you agree with me here. I think a lot of people hyped him, number one, because of Kyler Murray at Oklahoma. And I think his game, when he was playing in the Army game or whatever, all you heard was next Kyler Murray, Kyler Murray, Kyler Murray. Well, he's, he's a, taller than, a lot taller than Kyler Murray, number one, but that's when Kyler Murray was making things happen in Oklahoma. Number two, keep in mind, his big year at Oklahoma was the pandemic year. Nobody played defense, okay? Yeah. He shredded Florida in the Cotton Bowl. That Florida team had, how, 27 opt-outs, Brad? You know, that wasn't the Florida team that, that, that Mullen had had most of the year. Um, and I'm not saying that he, his hype was not well-deserved or he's not talented. I'm just saying there's not been a lot of perspective on him. But you're right, um, and I'll, I'll say this too. Another underrated pass was one of the early ones he threw to Josh Mann in the Clemson game. Mm-hmm. Uh, Clemson had really good coverage. He's, he has a tendency sometimes to stick it where only the receiver can get it with a flick of the wrist. 
Um, and, and I think that. But I think this year with a more pass-happy attack, with his second year at South Carolina, in a system that's much easier to learn, and I've got that on good authority from the players that have had to learn it, uh, you know, mm-hmm. I, I think he can have his best year. And not only, you know, as he goes to the NFL – he can kind of shed the lead, the system cut guy. I think yeah. he's he's proven he can operate in, in different systems now. And uh and I think it'll actually help help his draft stock coming to South Carolina. This this is going to be a much more simplified offense too. I, I was talking to somebody a few weeks ago and I think we with Satterfield said you guys know all the onslaught of personnel groupings and so many players weren't on the same page. There was seventy five to eighty plays Satterfield would take on a Saturday, and damn near he'd use 40 of them. And and now I think Dow's, Dow's playbook is about 35 plays, and it's a, a few formations, a lot of shifts beforehand, and it's stuff that the guys have already hammered out, ironed out during spring practice, and they're going to feel more comfortable going into September already knowing this playbook. And I think the last two years with, with Satterfield's playbook, it was kind of a mixed bag every Saturday, like what they were going to run. Yeah, I, and uh, LSU's got the leadoff guy on here. How many breaking balls are going to hang to this kid? Same guy hit the home run last two innings ago. Um, um, yeah, I. the other thing that really stood out to me last year with uh, Coach Satterfield's offense that I learned as the season went along, Brad, was that they were, every week, they were putting a new play into the playbook. Yeah. And, I mean, yeah. I, I'm not – Certainly not going to disclose my source on that, but I was a little – I guess I, I didn't understand. They didn't know the plays that they were running, so they decided they'd just put another one in every week, and let's once, try to figure that out. Once you've played the first three or four games of a season, you're supposed to go with like your dozen to 15 good plays that you do well. Whittle it down, yeah. You know, not, not a, you shouldn't be installing a whole lot while no. the games are being played. Well, that you know, uh, that wasn't. That's not how we do things around here. So, is there a guy, Brad, that is not being discussed enough right now for South Carolina offense or defense? There, there is. I'm, I'm writing a, a true freshman impact story, and I know a lot of folks are going to talk about Harbor, some of the other guys, but but Pup Howard, I think, has a chance to hmm. be a freshman star. I, I really do. He's been with the team since bowl practice last year. Knows Clayton White scheme and and defense and everything. I you know he he arrived pretty much already in in, in college shape, and the Gamecocks haven't had a a thumper type linebacker like him. So I think he's going to play good. And then Debo Williams. I mean, he's going to be a guy who makes something happen too. Is that the most yeah, important like position? Ironically, they're they're in the yeah. same position right now. Right. So, right. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, D, I'd love for you to do that. I'm just a, this is a question for polling the audience here, which the audience is only the three of you. Is that the most improved position on the team? I think it has to be almost by almost by default, right? I mean, linebacker really since Sky left has been just a I don't know a revolving door at that position. Um, Gamecocks need production at linebacker. Yeah, I, I think it depends on You need to stop that run. <laughs> yeah. I mean, but you do have st- – I felt good about what I saw out of Stone Blanton in the spring game. Loved Pup Howard in the spring game. My contacts say he is a big-time SEC linebacker, as you, you know, reported here. Uh, but then I asked somebody else the other day, it's like, Debo Williams going to start next? He's like, yeah, he's probably going to start. You know, we're probably going to play Pup. But Debo's gotten better, too. If Debo gets better, look out. Because he is a – when he locks in and he's not yeah. out of position and – Playing slow when he's playing fast, he's probably one of the. He's probably a lot like hadn't had a guy like that since maybe uh, Shannon Wadley. Uh, oh, that'll just knock you bag. in the neck, knock you in the next Sunday. You know, I mean, Jason, I know Jasper Brinkley's a big hitter and all that, but but Debo will light you up. He he sort of plays reckless like Reuben Foster used to play at Alabama. Yeah, where, where <laughs> Reuben would literally go for your head, no matter if it was like a five yard pass or just a handoff. He. <laughs> He hits really, really hard. Well, that's I, true. I Tiffany you, just made one too. I'm glad you did. Mo, Mo Kaba being back, we just spent time with oh, him yeah. last month. He is a he he's an SEC good, linebacker. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Uh, have, you, have you guys ever seen Reuben Foster's high school film? 
it, yeah. you know, I said, so Noel Divine had the illest high school film I think I've ever seen. As far as just where you just sit there and go, you could watch it all day because it's entertaining and you're like, wow. At linebacker, I thought Reuben Foster had that. And a close second was probably Melvin Ingram, which that was back in the VHS days. I, I, con- yep. I conveniently uh, didn't upload that until signing day. <laughs> Because I think everybody else would offer Melvin Ingram, and they he saw played him. quarterback as a sophomore. Isn't that crazy? <laughs> he yeah. went to the Shrine Bowl, <laughs> and the Marcus Gilchrist is a really good corner that went to Clemson, and so he runs a one-on-one route as a receiver against Marcus Gilchrist. Beats him soundly, goes up over and catches the ball, runs in the end zone, and laughs at him. I mean, I've never seen anybody natural like Melvin Ingram. One of, one of, um, one of the biggest mysteries to me is why why it took four seasons you know, for, for Melvin to be like an All-American type? Because he, he always had that level of talent. You know, from, from what I was told from the staff back then, he just he liked to eat. They were trying to keep his weight down. They kept fighting that battle with him because they wanted to be a linebacker. Yeah. And finally, Brad Long was like, well, hell, give him to me, and I'll just let him eat, and I'll turn him into a, a DN, D-tackle. Well, he yeah. did. And away we go. <laughs> you know, I mean, <laughs> and a fake, there, and a fake there's a specialist. There's mm-hmm. a play on his high school film where this dude comes around from a standing linebacker position, reads the play, intercepts an option pitch, and goes 75 yards for a touchdown. It's like the water boy. But um, Reuben Foster's was kind of pretty – speaking of water boy, that was was what Reuben Foster's film reminded me of. It's like he's sitting there going, stop making fun of me, and it just boom. Mm -hmm. Uh, But, yeah, so that was a pretty good comparison there. So now we got Nick Emanwari, who's Mark Barron, and I can say that Debo yeah. Williams is, is really oh, false. Okay. Yeah. Uh, uh, let, let me interject here real quick. Uh, big, big moment in the game here. Uh, LSU with the first two runners on. Nick Proctor in to face uh, Dylan Cruz. Nobody out in the bottom of the fifth for LSU. So trying to spin one up there, maybe roll a, roll a double play and slow things down here uh, for, for South Carolina. Hey, Brad, what do you make of the uh, Gamecocks transfer class? Um, I think there's a lot left to be desired as far as recent recent acquisitions. I, I think coming out of spring, there was two major position groups that, that need to be addressed. A defensive end was addressed, getting gear from Syracuse. There were some other guys the Gamecocks kind of missed on. But the, the running back position, I, I fully expected the Gamecocks to sign the NC State guy. But I think since Logan Diggs took so long, uh, Kentucky kind of swooped in and sort of sort of made him a – possible bell cow type. Uh, the Gamecocks can't feel too great about what they have in the backfield going into the season. But I do think Dontavious Braswell, depending on how fast he can learn this offense, like like Shane said a couple weeks ago, he has to play this fall because there's like four scholarship bodies available. He has to play. But but having, you know, Juju and to carry on, you don't want either of those guys to be, you know, a 15 to 20 carry type running back. So if they can split that duty, um, I don't know, fellas. I, I just think that based on the running back situation, Rattler is going to throw for a lot of yards. And, and he could possibly be a you know late first round or early second round guy if he does that. Yeah. It's in the, it's in the playbook. They got, the, they got a yeah. lot of – there's a lot more Kendall Browse, Browse, Air Raid. Stuff right. that people like uh, in this playbook that people, people think. It's not the Adam Gase playbook from – the Dolphins. <laughs> no. Yeah, it, it was so weird after after Dow got hired, just Gamecock Twitter just laid into him about how, well, look at his numbers from the NFL. Haven't they watched enough college football to know that it's completely different? No. <laughs> Same sport, yeah, different game. I mean, any, any, I mean people miss Arkansas. tackles in college football. They don't miss tackles in the NFL. You're, you're hey, college football, yeah. Game. And, and people forget too. He spent a few months with James Franklin and Mike Yurchich at uh, Penn State too. Yeah. So, you know, uh, and, you know that's kind of the and you, and you could tell a little bit of that. Like, um, like I watched the first series of the spring game, and I'm like, well, if this is vanilla, show me Neapolitan, man. right? Because uh, <laughs> I was like, this is this is pretty solid. So, um, I th- I think it'll be a good deal. So, anyway. Well, Brad, it's we're we're off at noon, right? Just want to make sure. Yeah, yeah we are. We're going to do an hour okay. today, and then we're out of here. So, yeah, man, from from, from transfer portal to to ACC disbanding to SEC scheduling, it's it's been a busy May. Uh yeah, yeah. There's plenty it's to been, talk about. That's for sure. Yeah, it, it, at least none of those leagues had hired Kevin Warren 
to run them. Oh my! <laughs> Genius. <laughs> that that I just wow. I, I wouldn't be shocked if there's not some type of legal fallback on this somewhere down the road after they find a way to get things straightened out. But Yeah, are we sure UNC wants to join the Big Ten down the road? I don't know. <laughs> I don't think they know what they want to do, Brad. I don't think I mean, the yeah, ACC has a clue. Notre Dame doesn't either. So. No, no. That's what, that will be the new league, the guys that don't know what they want to do. Yeah. Uh, that's, that's what we'll call it. Well, man, thank you so much for your time. Uh, obviously, we always really enjoy everything that you put out, and it certainly has people talking, and it carries us right into kickoff. And we can't wait to get you back here soon, brother. Looking forward to it, man. Thank Thanks, you. Brad. There you go, Brad Crawford, Thanks, 24-7 Sports, uh, who was, uh, of course, supposed to be with us yesterday, but um, due to some programming issues, uh, had to uh, jump in and join us today. 3-1 LSU here. Bases are still loaded. Nick Proctor has thrown seven straight balls with Tommy White at the plate, and uh, he is on the verge of potentially walking another one in, which he's just done. So it's now four to one uh, with still nobody out in the the fifth inning. So uh, we'll see if Carolina can try to minimize the damage here. Um, While they do have uh, LSU starter Thatcher Hurd, I think he's up over 80 pitches, so that is good news. The bad news is that uh, Carolina can't throw strikes seemingly here in the fifth inning. So – potentially another change coming we'll see we will see what happens uh if they lose by the way uh today in this ball game they will play tomorrow in the, at the same time uh versus the uh, game six loser between arkansas and texas a&m if they find a way to come back and win the ball game uh they will play uh tomorrow afternoon at uh, 5 30 at uh, 5 30 eastern time uh versus the winner of arkansas and a&m so that is what is at stake here in this matchup. Pink Glove just can't find the strike zone. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, it's one of those, you know, the Pro- Proctor's a guy who is, uh, you know, if you've got him on, you know, he's he's hard to hit because he spins it and he's got a lot of movement, high spin rate. Uh, you know, he'll keep you under bat speed. But uh, if he's not, and today he's not, you know, it could it could be tough to watch just kind of spinning it up there, especially if he's missing up in the strike zone. You're living in the danger zone there, so um, he's going to have to he's going to have to get a little bit lucky here somewhere with uh, with something, whether it's a pop up or a strikeout and and maybe a weak ground ball to roll double play. But that's hoping. We'll just have to see what happens, and we'll evaluate and discuss more tomorrow on the program. That's for sure. <laughs> Mike Williams decommitted. By the way, the Gamecocks dropped him. I don't have details as to exactly why. Even if I did, I probably wouldn't speculate. Probably it's something to do with some standards that they or you know, some some goals he needed to hit that he didn't hit. And so uh, he uh, the Gamecocks moved on from him, uh, just for, in case you guys uh, wanted to know why that happened. Um, Hale said it about 15 times yesterday, and people were still were like, well, every year you get a commitment, and then they decide the grass is greener on the other side. And I'm like, that's not what happened when somebody gets dropped. That's the school's decision, not the player. There's no grass is greener. Y'all remember mm-hmm. that Pete Floyd song? The grass is greener. <laughs> yes. so that, that was on the division. The division bells and underrated bell. Pink Floyd album. Excellent album. I used to, I used to uh, smoke uh, uh, tobacco, and uh, with a guy named Mike, Mike, who I, I'm convinced is an alien. Because uh, he was never drunk and never high. I mean, he would drink a fifth of Crown, and and he he'd just be talking to you just like this the whole time. Uh, <laughs> but we used to sit there and hang out and listen to the division bell start to finish. It was pretty good back in college. So there's a funny story to relieve your sadness and pain uh, over this game. Now watch the game come back and win. Sack fly that? makes it five one. Uh, runners on the corners with an out here, so got a chance to get a uh, double play and so, uh, try to get out of this with. Bruin says, so the Maryland ass was right. What are you talking about, Bruin? Carolina dropped him. Dropped him. That happens in recruiting. Uh, Hale reported it. No Maryland ass. What is the Maryland ass? Is it like that Rosalinda's Mexican place down in uh, Myrtle Beast where they're their uh, their mascot was a donkey, and they used to they used to teach us own my ass at Rosalinda's. Is that the Maryland ass? Is it a Mexican place in Baltimore? How are their tacos? All right, we are 
we're done today. Uh, 12.03. Uh, we're supposed to be done at noon, so I'm going to end it uh, so we can all go watch the baseball game and see if Carolina can find a way to come back and get it done. Uh, as always, we're teed up by TravelingCountryClub.com. TravelingCountryClub.com, the coolest club in the Carolinas. Uh, almost 45 courses you can play for a low monthly rate at TravelingCountryClub.com. If you have not figured that out yet and you play golf, this is where you want to be, I assure you. From the coast to the mountains, they've got you covered. TravelingCountryClub.com. Thanks to Brad Crawford for joining us today. Pull those Gamecocks through uh, here in the fifth inning. Uh, down again, 5-1 to one to LSU uh, with uh, one out right now in Hoover. For JC and Phil, I'm JB. We'll see you tomorrow at 11 on Inside the Gamecocks, the show.